a few things are helpful to receive a word from the Lord. Well, one thing that's essential is an open Bible, so that's why we're starting there. But then I just encourage you that <clears throat> receiving a word of the Lord is, I, I don't know if it's the right way of saying it, more likely if you want to. Not to tell him something, but to let him tell you something. And so that's why we open up our Bibles and in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to study more than I'm going to read right now, but we'll begin in chapter 1 and verse number 12. I want you to really think about what uh, the author is saying here. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 12, the, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I applied my heart to know wisdom and that to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. And Matthew 7, hallowed be your name. Let's hold on to those two things together as we pray. Father, now that what we, um, we don't know and you want us to know and see, show us. What we don't have and you want us to possess by grace, give us and may we receive it joyfully. What we're doing that needs correction, help us to be submissive to that. And then when we're, what we're not doing, what we're not trusting, what we're not believing, if we had eyes to see, we would know and believe and trust. May that be so among us. We're asking that we don't just remain as we are and continue as we are, but that you would really bring transformation to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, of course, you may be seated. The title of the sermon series is Life Is, and then there's a fill in the blank. So we'll just ask you again, as we started last week, how would you fill in the blank? Life is burdensome. Life is frustrating. Life is busy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So we would want to fill in the blank with the statement, life is abundant, or life is joyful, or life is, is really life. And here we have uh, Solomon writing the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's got some words to fill in the blank as well, as we'll see. And there's two things I really like. I mean, there's more than two things I like, but two things I really like in life are Chick-fil-A and a great book. This past week, I sought to combine the two. So, step one, I drove to Chick-fil-A, and since the drive through reached to Red Oak, I opted to go inside, order on the app, sit down at the table, just let them bring it to me. So I placed my order, Cobb salad, ranch dressing, because I'm trying, you know what I mean? Got my order, took my bag, went to my truck, found a shady spot, so it was hot. Got my Winston Churchill biography. Set it out, ready to read, took my salad out, popped the top, reached in the bag for my ranch dressing. 
kept searching around the bag. Bag was empty. In that moment, heard the wife, uh, heard, heard the wife, heard the voice of my wife. Always check the bag before you leave the restaurant. We don't fight much, but it's, that's why I also avoid the drive-through because she wants to check the bag while I feel the line to red oak behind me and just say, just, let's just go. But she's right. I had told myself, I don't need to check the bag. It's Chick-fil-A. Only this time, they really did forget my salad dressing. So this moment, and it's probably not an exaggeration to say I had looked forward to for hours combining my two favorite things, did not turn out the way I wanted or expected. Has that ever happened to you? Has there ever been a day that that didn't happen to you, right? Of course it has. We all, we all know what it's like to have such eager expectation turn into bitter disappointment. And sometimes it's simple things like no salad dressing, but sometimes in life it's serious things. It's life-altering things. The author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he understands this well. I mean, he desired riches, he desired wisdom, he desired accomplishments, and he got them. He reached in the bag and the dressing was there. But once he ate it and read it, all that he had hoped for turned out to be vanity is the word he uses. The Hebrew word is hevel. Why was that? Well, as we read through together this morning, he, he believes three lies. The title of the sermon, Three Lies the Wise Man Believed. So I want us to see this together. It's not three lies that the foolish man believed. It wasn't three lies that the man who has no knowledge of God believed. It's three lies that the wisest man who's ever lived believed. So if that's true, here's what I would like you to graciously receive. You're very likely to believe these same three lies. It's very likely that you're assuming one, two, or three of these things are true right now. I can assure you that you're surrounded by people who believe these three lies. And part of our makeup as human beings in the fallen world who are fallen ourselves is that we usually go along with what other people think. So, um, in, in order to best understand these three lies that we'll walk through together as Solomon unfolds it in his book, is to, again, remember the word hevel. In most of our translations, it's probably translated vanity. And to understand the word, it literally means sort of vapor. Anybody uh, blown out candles on a birthday cake? It's Blake's birthday today. Maybe we should have had him a cake. And if he stood up here, has candles, and he blew those candles out, you'd see smoke kind of rise, right? Now, if that was happening and I asked you to grab a hold of the smoke and put it in your pocket, what would happen? Here's what would happen. It's already fading away, but your effort to grab a hold of it only makes it dissipate quicker, right? That's that's what Solomon is getting at, that life's that way. And once you try to grab a hold of life, just the effort of doing so makes it fade away. It's a vapor. It's it's hevel. And what is... Solomon saying is like that. Verse 2 of chapter 1. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. So number one, let's hold on to that understanding of that word. 
And then number two, as you read through, and I do encourage you as we're reading through and studying Ecclesiastes to regularly read through the book of Ecclesiastes, another phrase you'll hear a lot is under the sun, under the sun. Life is vain, vanity, under the sun. And that phrase is, it's not uh, so much a spatial term like that location, it's a temporal term. You're living under the sun. You're living in this world right now, right? And, and yes, it's true, as we'll talk about, and of, of course, as we said, Ecclesiastes raises questions only the Lord's Prayer and only Jesus ultimately can answer. But you're going to experience this as a follower of Jesus. If you follow the Lord Jesus, He doesn't add 50 years to your natural life, right? Remember what we talked about last week? Life is short, life is repetitive, and life is unsatisfying. Now, of course, we're going to tweak some of those things with the gospel, but your life's going to be short. Somebody who lives 100 years, you know what? You created to live forever, so what's 100 years? Now, use the illustration often that if you take this center beam in the sanctuary, just everybody look up at the center beam. You see it? Streaming along, you just maybe can kind of see it. And let's pretend that that beam represents your existence. Your life on earth is a, a speck isn't even the right word. It's so minuscule. Your little bitty life on earth in comparison to living forever, because all of us are going to live forever somewhere. That life is a vapor. That life is hevel, under the sun. That's what Solomon is saying. So, again, even if you're a Christian, you don't get 50 more years. You're not freed up from all the mundane tasks of life. You're still going to do the laundry today, and you're going to have to do it tomorrow. Mow the grass this week, and I don't know, it rains, so you'll have to do it tomorrow as well, right? Or change the time. There's so much of life that's unfulfilling because we live under the sun in the cursed world. So Ecclesiastes, the whole book, is a meditation of what it means to live in a world that God made, called good, yet has gone very wrong. Can we agree with that, right? It's a meditation on what it's like to have the Cobb salad, the good book, but never the salad dressing, right? So Solomon says, I'm going to go out and fix this. So in doing so, he believes three lies. Let's start with this first one. Here's the first lie. If I know more, I'll be happy. That's what he said in the section that we read at the start of the sermon. Uh, I applied, verse 13, I applied my heart to seek and to search. He's not lazy. He's not checked out. Those are words of initiative. I'm applying my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom. Now, we can go on and give a spoiler alert. What's the misstep from the get-go? My heart. My heart. There's something wrong with our heart. So if we're trying to do something with our heart, everything we do out of it is not going to be done well or right. So think of, think of the picture of Solomon. He's got his textbooks. He signed up for the advanced classes. He gets the degree. Then he gets the master's. Then he gets the doctorate. But something happens. He seems to start out with such optimism. I applied my heart to seek and to search. But then he says, it's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And as he pursues knowing more, two things happen. He gets angry and he gets sad. That's what, he, that's what he says. It's an unhappy business that God has given. And he goes on and says in verse 18, For in much wisdom is much vexation. 
the more you learn about the world, the more you realize how broken the world is, right? I mean, that's true of any uh, sort of subset of knowledge that you would pursue. The idea in, in verse 15, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be gained. The idea is you don't know what you don't know, and you can't know what you can't know. I mean, for example, is Pluto a planet or not? When I was growing up, it was. Now it's not. So the pursuit made him angry, and then the pursuit made him sad. Verse 18, he who increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. I mean, just as one little example, we can see that in the explosion of our generation of social media. The more you learn about the world and the people who live in the world, you get either angry or sad, don't you? Did you know that every minute, 4.1 million YouTube videos are watched? Are you going to be able to watch all of those? You probably shouldn't watch many of them, honestly. 456,000 tweets are sent out. 47,000 photos are uploaded to Instagram. 293,000 posts go up on Facebook. And a million videos are viewed on TikTok every minute. And sometimes you face this, if I just know more, I'll be happier. We think we need to know the latest news, the latest celebrity update, the latest in sports, the latest in fashion. We just kind of have to keep up. I just jotted down what has been this week's headlines. I'm going to say them generically, but just here are the leading headlines of the week. Leading government official assassinated. Happened this week. War drags on in Europe. This week. Hungry face famine. This week. Question. Could that have been a thousand years ago? As much as it's this week? Of course. Think of how much knowledge we've accumulated in the last thousand years. Yet the headlines are the same. Why? Vapor. Hevel. Under the sun. The world is broken. We believe the lie. If we can just know more, we'll be happy. You know, when I was growing up, when you watch television, there, there was something that happened regularly. It was like a PSA, a public service announcement. I'm going to put the uh, picture on the screen, and some of you all recognize this. Anybody recognize that right off? Some of you heard a little tune in your head, right? Because a uh, celebrity, somebody would come along in 1986, 87, 88, and I'm sitting there watching my Transformer co- commercials, and then somebody wants to say, just say no to drugs. And then they'd kind of give you a 30-second pitch, and then it was always kind of joyful at the end, and it just says, the more you know. Stay in school. Don't drink and drive. And and, and at the end, they'd have this tune that would play, and it's just the more you know. That's what Solomon said. If I just figure it out, if I just get enough information, if I just Google it, right? The more I know, I'll be happy. But the more he learned, the angrier and sadder he became. So, Said, that didn't work, so he believed the second lie. Number two, if I have more, I'll be happy. Knowing more didn't work, have more. So look in chapter 2, verse 1. I said in my heart, where is this taking place? In the heart. Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. He worked too hard. He tried, man, he hit the books, put the books up, go to campus, 
and this, if he's in college, so to speak, and he says, just go enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. He started in the comedy section, verse 2. I said, of laughter, it's mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched my heart how to cheer my body with wine. So start drinking. My heart was still guiding me with wisdom, how to lay hold of folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses, planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools with which water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born to my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women. They had the concert at my house. Many concubines, the delight of the children of man. I became great and surpassed all who went before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Verse 10, this is the anthem of our generation. Whatever my eyes desire, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. I just kept telling myself, I deserve it, I deserve it, I deserve it. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Also, when I was growing up, they had a documentary called Behind the Music, and they would always get some band, and, they just, and that was basically what we just read was the trajectory of every documentary. They set out, we're going to conquer the world, sold millions of out, and then at the end, they don't even talk to one another, right? You believe the life I have more, I'll be happy. His new rule, his new way of life is I'm just going to enjoy myself. Whatever I want, I'm going to get. And, did you notice what he said? He did it. He did it. No one had more money. No one had more stuff. And then verse 11, Behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing new to be gained under the sun. But we tend to believe this lie too, don't we? Right now in your life, something's knocking. He says, if you just have that, what is it? You can say it to the Lord. He knows, right? If I just had, and what, what's Solomon saying? If I just had a bigger house, if I just had more sex, if, if I just had more to drink, if I, if I had just more more and more and more. See, this is the paradox of, of hedonism. The more you chase pleasure, the less you find it. But we live in a, in a, in a culture that says, if you just have more, bigger house, more in your checking account, nicer vacation, I heard one preacher say it this way, you're either going to live for the greater accumulation or the great commission. You're not going to live for both. What's this getting at? Well, Jesus said it this way, wherever your heart is, wherever your treasure is, rather, that's where your heart is. And again, friends, we, we can all agree, most everyone around us believes this lie. 
So, so this morning, what, what are you telling yourself that right now, if I get that, I'll be happy? And this is an important question. Would Jesus come alongside of you in that desire and say, you're right. You're exactly right. Here's what the scripture will teach us. This is going to sound generic, but then I want you to really think about it. If you need Jesus and something, you'll never be happy. You'll never be happy. If you have Christ, is he your most precious treasure, right? Solomon says, man, if you live that way, take it from me. Because I did it, right? That's what he's saying. It's a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. So, he thought, if I know more, I'll be happy. If I have more, I'll be happy. Let's read together and get the next thing that he says. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. So, I turned. you got to give it to him. He's persistent. To consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Question, what's the event that happens to all of them? What's the event that happens to the billionaire and the person in poverty? What is it? You know what it is. Death. Death? That's what he's referring to. So he says, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. For all my accumulating of knowledge and stuff, he said, I'm still going to die. What, why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, it's also vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies, how the wise dies. Oh, I did say that right. Kind of rhymed, didn't it? Just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after the wind. Now, let's read a couple more verses to get the last lie. I hated all my toil into which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who has come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Right? He said, I've built all this stuff, and now I've got to pass it off. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in his might, even, in, even if the night, rather, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Wow, man, that's, that's quite a picture, right? He, he believed the third lie is, if I do more, I'll be happy. If I do more, I'll be happy. And then he built up a... Paraphrasing what he said, I built successful businesses. I worked hard. But now, he says, I'm giving it over. Does anybody know Solomon's son who becomes king? His instincts are correct, right? Rehoboam, what's he most known for? Being a fool. Rehoboam's folly. Split the kingdom. Everything that Solomon had built came crashing down within a generation. 
It happens, right? He'd say, I work so hard and then give it to my children and they squander it. That's what Solomon is saying. Some of you have faced that. We used the illustration a few weeks ago. Of, we've all been there on the beach. Some of you wish you were there right now, right? Some of you streaming might actually be there. That'd be pretty cool. You go and build up a sandcastle. The sandcastle ever beats the ocean. Have you ever seen it? Wave comes crashing in, and then the sandcastle stands. No, of course not. What's the sandcastle? That's what Solomon is saying. If I do more, I'll be happy. And he builds up so much before he realizes everything I built. Verse 21 Sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. One day, very soon, somebody else is going to have your job. There's not a single, and this is kind of heartbreaking to realize, there's not any of us that really are indispensable. Now, I'm not knocking work. Work is dignified. But somebody else is going to have your job. Your employer might miss you for a little while, but you'll be replaced. But there are places in your life that you are not replaceable. Starting where? In your family. You know, uh, probably, in some measure, the, the most revered and successful person of our generation was Steve Jobs, right? Apple. He did some things, right? But everybody who has an Apple phone stood up, I think probably the majority of us would, in the room. Walt Isaacson is a, writes biographies, and, and he wrote a biography of Steve Jobs while Steve Jobs was still alive. At the end of it, the book was completed. He was sitting in the room with Steve Jobs, and he says, what are your hopes for this biography? At the time, Steve Jobs had pancreatic cancer. I mean, he was very sick. He didn't live much longer. And, and he answered his hope for the biography, here's what he said. I want my kids to know me. I wasn't always there for them, but I want them to know why. So accomplish so much. I heard it said one time, you can be a household name, but not known by your own household. Solomon built so much. And his own son Pour it all down. That got me to thinking a little bit this week, and uh, reading through Ecclesiastes helped me have a new goal for my life, right? Here's my new goal. When I'm older, I want my children to want to be around me, right? That's my new goal. When my children see me, they smile and they don't say, oh, there's dad, right? So, so, so what's our take home? If knowing more, having more, and doing more does not make me happy, do we just resign and tap out and throw up our hands and say, you know I'm going to say no, right? 
So you got your Bible. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. As you're finding 1 John, just remember from the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. There is a kingdom that no ocean wave is going to overcome. It is the kingdom of God. Because what Solomon is all about, you can hear him, it's about control. I'm going to accumulate all this stuff so I can be in charge. I'm the king. And we all have that in us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, what's in the world? He explains. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. So, we're tracking together. You can either go after the world or you can go after the Father. You can't do both. What's Solomon doing? No more, have more, do more. He's trying to find life in the world. Three things in the world. Desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride and possessions. Three things. How many temptations did Jesus face in the wilderness? Three. What were they? A desire of the flesh? Take this stone, make it bread. Desire of the eyes? Bow down to me. Kingdoms of the world. Pride and possessions. Throw yourself off the temple and people will say, what? aren't you somebody that's the world as Hebrews says he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin question and it's important how did Jesus overcome those temptations you go back and read Luke's gospel very explicit Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness. And these temptations, a desire of the flesh, desire of the eyes, pride of life, came after him because Jesus' treasure was not in those things. It's not in those things. What was his heart set on? My food is to do the will of the Father. In other words, hallowed be your name, right? Hallowed be your name. So if we zoom out, kind of wrap things up, your heart sort of has one or two dispositions. Either you want your name hallowed, your kingdom to be built, your will to be done, or God in his grace has brought you to the point of saying, that is one way to waste a life. That is a wasted life. Because it's not going to matter, as we said last week, do you know the names of your great-great-grandparents? You probably know your grandparents' names, but you don't know their grandparents' names. Why? Life under the sun is heaven. It's vanity. It's vapor. The confession of those who recognize that God's kingdom lasts is, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Blessed are the meek, Jesus says, they shall inherit the earth. So, concluding point for today is, you can stop chasing and striving and start resting. You know what Jesus said? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. You know what makes you weary? That sandcastle got <laughs> demolished and now you're going to build it again. And you're going to do the same thing over and over and over. That's what Solomon is saying in the book of Ecclesiastes. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life 
and have it more abundantly. So I'm not saying don't not work hard in school. Man, I think Christians should be the most diligent, hardworking, faithful students, employees, employers on planet Earth. Because we know God and desire to honor Him. So it's not a check out. No, no. It's not the more that I know, the happier it will be. It's who I know. I know the Lord. It's not the more that I have and accumulate, the happier I'll be. It's that I have unsurpassed riches in Christ. And I can actually be freed up from the great accumulation so that I can be about the great commission. Because the King is coming soon. And it's not me. It's Him. And I don't want to offer him a life that all I did was try to get more for myself. And it's not the more that I do in my own name. It's what I joyfully do in the name of the Lord. And friends, that's life. That's life. So I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray together. And we're going to have a time of response. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. With your heads bowed and, and just have a moment of response, let's ask it to you this way. We mentioned three lies that we are susceptible to. A man as wise as Solomon was susceptible to them, so that teaches us that we're very likely susceptible as well. By God's grace and in humility, would you be able to to say maybe which of the three you most believe or are most likely to believe? If I just know more, if I just have more, I just do more. Now, of course, in a manner of speaking, we're susceptible to all of them. And they kind of are a package deal in some ways, right? But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that hope of having more, knowing more, and doing more. And I want you to, to carry that in your heart and in your mind to the cross of Calvary. And allow Jesus to, to reveal how much of that hope is vanity, smoke. And let him transform your desire to know more into desire to know him more. To have more, to be freed up, to, to see this is what I have in Christ. And that it's at the cross that you're motivated to, to all of your doing. So, Father, would you give us grace to respond to you in a way that's led of the Holy Spirit? That the most engaged and persevering and faithful and hardworking and diligent human beings on the planet should be those whose hope is fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are utterly convinced that what would it profit to gain the whole world and forfeit my soul? Lord, I pray for our young people growing up here at Calvary that from the get-go as they're propelled into the world that their heart's not set on more stuff that's going to fade away in the age that's to come. And give us grace that we don't live and prioritize for the speck of a life under the sun, but we live and prioritize 
for the eternity we will spend in the presence of the King, the Lord Jesus. Help us to respond now in a way that is prayerful, humble, and rooted in our hope in the Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen.